Gentlemen, we did it. First episode released on July 8th, 2019. And you are listening to the 100th episode of the Becoming Men podcast. This podcast has always been and will always be about the same thing. Helping you become the man that God created you to be. I'm extremely honored and blessed to have this opportunity. And I never take this lightly. The fact that I have this microphone in front of me and God has allowed me the opportunity to speak to you today is never something small in my mind. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your support, for your listenership, and for joining me on the 100th episode of the Becoming Men podcast. Gentlemen, welcome to episode 100 of the Becoming Men podcast. I'm your host, Ray Delanues, and this is the podcast for good men who want to live epic lives. This week, I'm excited to share with you guys a new series that I'm starting with 10 attributes of mature Christian men. But get this. I'm only going to share the first two on this one. So it's going to be a good series. All right. So stick around with me for the next few weeks as I share this. And as I share it, I'd actually want you to reach out to me via Instagram and tell me what you think we should name this series. I'm going to it's going to remain unnamed until we actually get some names and then we vote on them. So go ahead and and contact me at Ray Delanuez. All those links are going to be down below. Anyways, guys, I'm super excited. I'm excited to be able to share this with you. I've been excited to be able to put this together, get it out there to you so that you would become and grow into that man that you want to become this year, right? I know that you had some thoughts about what this year was going to look like, what kind of things you were going to be able to accomplish. And I hope that this is actually a very timely episode in your life. Now, while there is no particular order to this entire list, I will say, and I think most of you guys will agree that this attribute is by far one of the top attributes of a mature Christian man. And that is he heeds to wise counsel. A mature Christian man intentionally pauses and actively seeks advice before executing. Okay, so there's a lot of key words there, right? He intentionally pauses, meaning you have to choose to stop because the speed of the world right now is causing you to just haste, 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 move quickly, quickly, quickly. You got to keep up, keep up. But no, you actually have to intentionally choose to pull back from that pace and say, no, I'm going to walk at the pace of the soul. I'm going to walk at the pace of the cloud that is covering me because how many times have you ran ahead of the cloud and been outside of God's covering for your life and found yourself with your butt, with your sphincter way too tight. Okay. There's a good word picture for you guys there. Now, the other key word to pick up on is that he actively seeks. Now think about it, guys. We often say things like, oh, I guess I'm going to pray about it. Whatever that means to you, right? In your world. But too often for me, sometimes that means I'm just going to kind of like think about it every now and then whenever I drive to work, whenever I drive from work, it's going to kind of be on my mind when I shower. Uh, I might say a prayer or two, but really I'm not actively seeking out wise counsel from people around me who know a thing or two about the thing that I'm trying to make a decision on. Sometimes self-admittedly, it's because I know it's, I know the answers I'm probably going to get. Sometimes it's out of embarrassment. I don't know. Whatever your excuse is, just know actively seeking advice is part and it, it, it is the foundational part of heeding to wise counsel. And again, that last piece of before executing, oof, how many times have you executed on whatever decision you said that you were going to make and then 
you know, rear view mirror is 20 feet wide and 20 feet tall. You look back, you're like, eh, yeah, maybe if I would have just paused for a second and I would have uh, maybe asked a person or two, like before I made that decision, that would have probably been very helpful. And Jeremiah 616 actually has an awesome word picture for this because he says, stand by the road and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. That word picture of standing by the road, right? You're imagine being at a fork in the road and you now have to decide which way am I going? And that's like what every decision feels like. Sometimes you have more than two forks in the road, but you have to actually choose to stop, to stand by the road. You have to stop and you actually have to look, you have to assess the different directions. And then here's the key word. You have to ask for the ancient paths and that ancient path happens to be the good way. Sometimes it's not the way that your neighbors are going. Sometimes it's not the way that your friends are going. Sometimes it's not the way that even your pastor is going. Okay, we can't even go there. But it is the way that God is leading you on. And then you actually have to choose to walk in it. And that's where you will find rest for your souls. In Proverbs 12, 15, it says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. A wise man listens to a mature Christian man heeds to wise counsel. There's actually an old African proverb that says a wise man never knows all only fools know everything. And how many times have you caught yourself with your pants around your ankles, like a dang fool thinking that you knew it all. And let's be honest, guys, what is at the core of that? What is at the root of that? I think every single one of us can agree that pride is rooted in the ignorance of counsel. Now, a mature Christian man who heeds to wise counsel is also not an orphan. He actually has fathers and spiritual fathers who are present, who are engaged in his life. Now think about your corner. Who's in your corner? What two or three men can you call, you know, with boundaries right? I'm not saying you have to have 100% access to them at this moment, but that you can call and ask them a deep question, ask them to pray for you about a certain direction, ask them what they think about whatever thing is presented in front of you. And if it's close to zero, (laughs) if that number is close to zero or is zero right now, whatever year it is, whenever you're listening to this, that is the first thing you need to work on. Because it's the orphan spirit in a man that drives him to make decisions in a vacuum. Again, it's the orphan spirit in a man that drives him to make decisions in a vacuum. Because that man actually believes that God is keeping something from him. And so he needs to act on his own. He needs to act separate. He needs to figure this thing out. And speaking from experience here, sometimes figuring it out is the pride thing in and of itself, right? Like there's just so much pride in having it figured out, like tackling this challenge and like, don't get me wrong. That is what a man is supposed to do. But when you're doing that outside of a dependence on the father, it is the orphan man inside of you who's trying to function and come to the surface. Who's trying to be that imposter. Proverbs 15, 22, it says without counsel plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. 
Now, I've been lucky enough to actually have this on display, fully laid out in front of me for the last 12 years of my life. And being in the military really does show you the importance of this, that without actually having a council of wise men around you, your plans will go awry. Not because your plan sucks. That's not it. That's like, first of all, plans don't survive first contact. The fact that you are planning, it's not because you're going to actually execute your X, Y, Z. It's because you're actually taking the steps to plan and consider things, right? And this was made famous by one of our former presidents, you know, plans are nothing, but planning is everything to paraphrase. But the fact that we are actually able to plan and have that crusty gunny, like I said, in the back of the room to tell you, hey, have you thought about, you know, Q and P and M, because with many advisors, your plans succeed. Again, in Proverbs eleven fourteen, it says, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in abundance of counselors, there's safety. Again, there's so much application to that in the military. Now, a mature Christian man who heeds to wise counsel also gathers and considers counsel from various places. He contemplates and weighs his options. Now, this is important because it requires discernment. And that actually makes a lot of people feel extremely uncomfortable. Guys, you got to understand, sometimes the Lord is just wanting to walk with you and, and, and take you through the process. And you know what? It is the glory of the Lord to conceal a matter. And it is the glory of kings to seek it out. You can look that up in Proverbs. Sometimes the advice that you're going to get is actually wrong. And sometimes it's actually outside of God's will for your life. It's not to say that it was bad counsel. It's just to say it wasn't the counsel that you're supposed to act on. And that's why so many people actually feel very discouraged uh, by that because it requires this external thing called connection with the father. And when you feel like you're disconnected or when you feel like you don't know what the secret sauce is for connection with the father, you feel like you are less than, or you feel like you don't have this access, but it's really much more simple than what you think. It's being able to bridge this, this dichotomy with prayer, being able to take it in front of God and say, Lord, this is what I've been told by, you know, this guy, and this is what I'm being told by this one, but what are you saying? And then guess what gets exercised? Faith. (laughs) right? And we continuously ask God to strengthen our faith. We ask him to help us grow in courage. And he continuously push, pushes us in these sort of uh, scenarios where our faith and our courage are being exercised. Now with this one, I also want to say that age doesn't define wisdom because there are many wise young men and there are many unwise old men. And I think that's why we have to remember discernment matters. And sometimes the, the counsel you got, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't bad counsel. It just wasn't the one for you. And that's why we still need to contemplate. We still need to weigh it. We still need to wrestle with these things out. You know, to go back to the military example, everybody could have an idea about a path you know, a, a route that we should take on a mission. Some of them are better than others. It's not to say that it wasn't wise for this person to put out, you know, path X and another one, and you actually chose path Y. It's just, you needed to weigh it out. You just had more options in front of you. You had an abundance of options in front of you. Now, Proverbs nineteen twenty says, 
Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Mm. I don't know about you, but that actually seems really hopeful to me. I know some people might actually read that and feel kind of dissatisfied with the fact that the wisdom comes in the future. Well, if you're actually looking for advice and you're asking for instruction and you accept it, don't you want the wisdom now? Mm. Well, that's not how it works, thankfully, right? You're growing and maturing. You are becoming. And thankfully, that is going to produce something in the future. But right now, as you are exercising uh, this, this wisdom, right? You're exercising wisdom by heeding to wise counsel. You're growing. You're maturing, right? Consider a pine tree that matures extremely fast, right? It's full of just quick upshoot, just knowledge, let's call it. But an oak tree it grows extremely slow. It, it takes the same nutrients, the knowledge, but it converts it into something. It lasts longer in the growth stage and therefore it's able to apply a different type of perspective and judgment and it becomes a more reliable, stronger, and valuable asset. Now, we have to accept the fact that we're actually very limited in wisdom even when we're actually full of knowledge, right? Consider Alexa, consider Google. Sorry if I just set off your Alexa. But the fact that you can look anything up right now does not make you any wiser. In fact, we have so much access to information at whatever time we want. Just here, right? Picking up your phone, whatever you're listening to me on. But we don't, we don't apply it accurately, right? We, we still have the same stupidity running around. So we know that that's not wisdom. Wisdom and knowledge are not the same thing. And I know we know that, but putting words to it, guys, this helps. Knowledge is information while wisdom involves perspective and judgment that actually allows for the best or the correct application of that knowledge. I'm going to say that again. So wisdom and knowledge are not the same thing. Knowledge is information while wisdom is perspective and judgment that allows for the best application of knowledge. Notice that wisdom is gained in the future. There's no fast forward to that. And I'm okay with that. You should be too. A mature Christian man heeds to wise counsel. But what happens when he doesn't? I mean, I'm sure that you have hundreds of stories that you can tell. I have hundreds of thousands, I'm sure. Uh, but we can actually look right to the scriptures for this. And this is actually a huge one that I want you guys to see. This is foundational because what we're talking about here is actually going to impact the rest of Israel's history. I'm talking like from this moment on, it was never the same. And there's one man responsible for this. One man. Now imagine that that you were the one person who was responsible for generations upon generations of lives completely being altered. And you sort of are really, I mean, like that's the weight of carrying a legacy right now is what you do today matters generations and generations from now. If you choose to look at it that way, it's true, but we're talking about Rehoboam's folly here. Now, Rehoboam is King Solomon's son. King Solomon uh, followed King David, his father, right? So we have these two rulers uh, in Israel. Now we have this third one coming up and he's supposed to bat a thousand. I mean, David was a good king, kind of, you know, he was a good king, right? But he did some things and we know that weren't so great, but he was a good king. 
Solomon started out fantastic. Didn't end so well. Okay. Lots of applicational uh, uh, things to learn from there. Okay. But Rehoboam, man, can we devour this right now? I'm going to pick up uh, right there in verse three of first Kings 12, where all of Israel is now talking to him. I'm sorry. Verse four, it says, your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the heart service of your father and his heavy yoke on us and we will serve you. And he said to them, go away for three days and then come back. So the people went away. And what does he do? Well, King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive. Mm, right there. That is a wise and mature Christian man, right? Well, let's see what happens. He says to them, how do you advise me to answer this people? And they said to me, they said to him, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. That's good advice right there, right? But what does he choose to do? Well, verse eight says, but he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, what do you advise that we answer this people who said to me, lighten the yoke that your father put on us. And the young men said to him that grew up with him, they pretty much said to him, no, this is, this is what you ought to say. My father, he, (laughs) my little finger is thicker than my father's thigh. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will actually add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I'm actually going to discipline you with scorpions. And what does he choose to do when the people come back three days later? That's exactly what he says to them. He's crushing the people. So what happens? The next set of verses is about how the kingdom of Israel was forever divided. If you want to talk about how to divide a kingdom, you place an uninitiated unwise man before them and ask him to rule. Now that is in complete contrast with the beginning of Solomon. And if you guys remember in second Chronicles one, it actually says how Solomon started. He started so well when God said to him in a dream, he says, ask whatever you want and I'm going to give it to you, whatever. Like, what is it that you desire? And Solomon says this, he says, Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? And God answered to Solomon. He said, because this was in your heart and you have not asked for possessions, wealth and honor or the life of those who hate you. And you have not even asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people over whom I made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. And then he gives them riches and possessions and honor and everything else that he didn't ask for. So you have here an opportunity, right? The son, Rehoboam, has an opportunity to lead well. He takes wise counsel, he takes counsel with old men, but abandons it, clings to the dudes that he grew up with, gets that because he thinks that, I don't know, I don't know what the gain was there, right? He goes with that and he doesn't lead the people, he divides the people. Guys, a mature Christian man heeds to wise counsel. You know, I heard this quote by Will Rogers that said, never miss a good opportunity to shut up. Never miss a good opportunity to shut up. Sometimes that right there is all the wisdom that you need to get through the season of life. (laughs) Just shut up, dude. Just shut up and listen. And you'll know the effect 
of wisdom coming into your life by just these few simple things. You actually become wise now, right? There's still some aspect of wisdom that is being developed in you now, but then you also become wise in the future. Right, so people, right, you can't be wise in and, of, in and of yourself, right? There's people around you that are able to actually confer that this is true. Maybe you're sought out for some sort of uh, advice or wisdom in certain areas, right? And we are all becoming, we are all growing. Now, this isn't the end state, right? You're not, I'm not saying that you have to get to this wise sage stage of life. I'm saying you are becoming more of a wise man. Your plans succeed. Right, that's coming straight from Proverbs. And I'm not saying every time, I'm, saying, I'm not saying that is a promise. But man, more often than not, you are engaged in fruitful actions because you are doing the right things beforehand. And here's another one that I don't think a lot of people like to hear. You aren't doing everything that comes to your mind. That's a tough one. Right. Because a lot of times we don't like restraints. We just like to go, go, go. And when there's somebody who gets in front of us and tells us, no, you actually can't do that. or You shouldn't do that. Or it's not wise for you to do that. Right. Or maybe like how my wife puts it like, oh, yeah, I think you should pray about that. Oh, I hate it when she says that. You should not be doing every single thing that comes to your mind. That right there is probably an indicator that you are not becoming more wise. Now to get super practical guys, and you know, I love to just develop habits that are able to bring out these sort of attributes in us. And I think that's how we develop attributes, right? You only become courageous. You build courage by doing courageous things, right? You only become faithful by actually choosing things that require faith, right? That's how you exercise muscle. So if you want to exercise this uh, wise muscle, I would say a few practical things. Don't ever make a decision that means a certain threshold, okay? So you decide what that threshold is without speaking to at least two men. So go and decide what that is. Like, hey, I, will I won't buy anything that's over $500 without speaking to at least two men about it. I won't make a decision that requires, you know, this much of my resources, whether it's time, right? So it's like you volunteering or it's money, right? Without actually speaking to at least X amount of men and pray about that. Also, prayer, <laughs> pray for wisdom as Solomon did in Second Chronicles 1. Pray that God would continually develop and give you wisdom, that you would be that strong oak developing wisdom throughout your life. And I would say, man, it, to, to get extremely practical, read Proverbs every single day. There's 31 Proverbs for most months. There's 31 days. So hop in there. You're like, oh, hey, I missed yesterday. Don't worry about it. Dude, just read whatever today is. If today's the 14th, go to the 14th proverb. If today's the 19th, go to the 19th proverb. You do that every single day. Build that habit. You are reading a proverb a day with whatever else you're reading in the Bible and ingesting that wisdom. And lastly, I would say find sages, get wisdom in your corner and take them out for coffee and then just put scenarios in front of them you know, I had this and this and this happen and it didn't go all that well. What would you have done? Or I have this and this coming up and these are the, the things that I'm actually considering. What would you do? That right there is the material that produces wise and mature Christian men who heed wise counsel.
Now, undoubtedly, another attribute of a mature Christian man is that he takes responsibility for things in his life. I'm going to say that again. A mature Christian man takes responsibility for things in his life. Now, of course, that sounds extremely simple, and I want to make this podcast episode really extremely valuable for you. So I'm going to go ahead and bring up some of the things that come from personal experience, come from the Bible, come from uh, different things that I've read, and just other men who I've been able to watch, other men who've been able to mentor me, and bring that to you so that maybe you would grow, uh, even just with a little gold nugget that I might deposit, right? So if, if it's the next five minutes, and that's going to do something to transform you know, the next month of your life, hey, that's a huge win. So stick around. And I'll start really by saying this, that a man who takes responsibility for the things in his life doesn't look around waiting for other people to make things happen for him. He's not wondering why things aren't happening in his life and why things aren't going his way and why he's failing, right? Because he's able to look in the mirror and have a correct assessment of himself and say, that's exactly why. But here's what I see. And maybe you have too. okay? I know I'm not alone in this. It's young men who are looking at themselves, looking at their situation, and they're blaming other people for the situation that they are in. Okay. Maybe they might feel like they are do something, right? They, they are do some kind of inheritance or some kind of help, some kind of uh, hand lent out. And they didn't, but I'm just going to go ahead and call it as it is. It's kind of called an entitlement, right? So we'll just go ahead and say that mature Christian men don't have a sense of entitlement. Right? I mean, I know everybody listening agrees with that. And really, a true leader, and that's what I'm trying to build here. That's when I, that's, those are the guys I want to associate myself with, and I know that you do too. A true leader is ultimately responsible for everything that goes right and wrong in his sphere of influence. I'm going to say that one more time because it's going to piss somebody off. A true leader is ultimately responsible for everything that goes right and wrong in his fear of influence. Now, this is an extremely uh, unfortunate fact in the military because I'm going to take responsibility for the stupidity of some other grown man who does something that was outside of what I may have ordered him to do. But guess what? It was my fault. Sure, he did it. Sure, he acted uh, the way that he chose to. But ultimately, maybe I needed to take a little bit more time explaining my orders. I needed to take a little bit more time explaining my intent. And that's honestly, that's the burden of command. That whatever goes right or wrong within your chain of command, that is your fault as a leader. And yeah, that should be a huge gut check. Because if you're looking at your life situation, if you're looking at things around you and you're wondering, man, why isn't you know, why isn't my wife reading her Bible more? And why aren't my kids, you know, listening to me? And why, you know, are are my friends not respecting me? And why do people not take me serious? And why don't I have as much credibility as I should? And why don't people consider me as a, as a reliable person? Like, bro, let's look in the mirror again, gut check. Often it's too heavy of a weight for us to, to, uh, to bear. And ultimately it comes down to the uninitiated man's ego that wants to cling for dear life. And I know a lot of people don't like to use the word ego because it's not necessarily a bad thing. And then in this instance, I'm using it as a negative, um, in a negative way. 
but I'll own that, right? So we'll talk about the negative ego, that egotistical uh, sort of personality. But why does this happen? Well, it's because this involves acknowledging mistakes and admitting failures and taking ownership of what is wrong in your sphere. And that's not something that you like crawl out of the womb and, you know, fly through grade school, grade school and like get out of high school. Now you join life as an adult and you just kind of that's innate inside of you. That doesn't happen. Right. That that is taught. And a lot of times when it's not taught in the home the right way, it's actually taught by experience the hard way. Okay. If it's not taught the right way in the home, it's learned by experience the hard way out in the world. So I'm going to save some guys, hopefully somebody out there, I'm going to save you some time. I'm going to tell you right now, the faster you can shed that uninitiated man's approach to taking responsibility, the faster you are going to uh, really hone in on this attribute and make it part of yourself. Because guys, the love of ego is the true enemy to this attribute. Along with pride and, and the resulting callous heart, of course, because pride is the beginning uh, to all great downfalls, right? And, and it's really, I'm concerned about the calloused heart because when Jesus is speaking to us, he's speaking to our hearts, right? It's a spirit to spirit connection. And if I'm continuously callousing my heart and not staying malleable, what I'm doing is I'm rejecting that uh, pliable flexibility that I need to have within me to make myself become more like who, right? Who am I trying to emulate here? Who are you trying to emulate here? I want to be more like Christ. So as he uh, is the one that's directing my life, I want to make sure that my heart is malleable. It is soft, not calloused and rejecting of, you know, something as clear as, Hey man, um, you have a weakness here and it's that you don't take responsibility for things that you should, you don't take ownership. You actually deflect. And where does this come from? I'm going to tell you exactly where this comes from. You ready? If you feel like the last six minutes kind of, you know, made your ears a little hot, made you a little bit frustrated. Maybe it kind of hit home a little bit, or maybe, you know, somebody else like this. Okay. You're either one of those two. You know somebody that is like this, or maybe you were like this, and so uh, you want to help them out. I'm going to tell you exactly why this happens. It's in the Adamic gene. What do I mean by that? Well, the Adamic gene is that gene that comes all the way from the garden, right? Because it's, it's the fallen man. It's the nature of fallen man to do this, to shift responsibility. And how do I know that? Well, Guys, we can actually go right to the beginning of the creation story to find us. We don't have to go very far to see a time where that fallen nature is coming up. It just, it, it can't help it. So whenever you find yourself in this situation, just, re just remember the story that I'm about to tell you and you'll know where it's coming from and why you have that, you have to put that thing to death. Okay. I'm reading out of Genesis three, and this is where, uh, the, the serpent just came and started talking to Eve. And then Eve was like, Hey, Adam, come over here. And then Adam took a bite of the apple and he ate of it. And, you know, then they sewed fig leaves and just started to hide. And so it says that, but God called to man and said to him, I love that he called to man, both Adam and Eve were there and says, where are you guys? Can I just pause for a moment and just say that if God has to ask you where you are, 
you are in a really bad place. And now we all know that God doesn't have to ask you where you are. And God actually didn't have to ask Adam where he was because God knew exactly where Adam was. He was in his creation. He was in Eden. Like, I know where you're at, Adam, you're hiding right over there. But I think what God was doing here is asking him, giving him an opportunity to be like, Adam, we had a deep connection, bro. We were like walking in the cool of the evening together. Like we were enjoying each other. We had this communion And now I feel like there's a broken communion here. Like, where are you at, man? And it says this in verse 10 of Genesis 3. And he said, talking about Adam, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said to him, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And guys, get this. I want you to remember this. Genesis 3.12. So when this happens in your life, just just say, oh, this is just... Genesis 3.12 coming out. The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate it. I'm going to read that to you one more time. The woman whom you, God, gave to be with me, she was actually the one who gave me the fruit of the tree and then I ate it. Okay, that is pathetic. It does not take like a, a solid, hardcore, altogether, just awesome man to know that that's just not it, right? It just takes a person with a little bit more common sense uh, to say like, bro, did you just try to shift the blame onto God and onto Eve for something that you chose to do? And if you agree with me there, then you would agree with me about the silliness of the last time that you did it. And the last time that I did it, guys, I'm like, I'm just being honest here. Like how many times have I been in an argument with my wife and I'm just like, well, I'm just acting this way because you, (laughs) right? Well, I'm just withholding love because you won't respect me. Yeah. Yikes. I'm just being vulnerable here, guys. Like I'm, I know, and I know I'm not the only one. So I'm, I'm absolutely okay with that. I'm just the one holding a microphone and okay with sharing this with the world. And I'm glad that you're here listening. And I just love that we can go back to this and really pinpoint like where this fallen nature comes from and come against it, guys. Okay, like truly come against that thing. And, you know, the more I think about it, there's really nothing new under the sun. Nothing new is inspired under the sun. So when you really read a good story, a good plot, uh, you actually will see a lot of the things coming straight from the Bible. Uh, And one of those plots is the abdication of responsibility. I know I can't name any movies right now, but I know there's like 15 that I've probably watched in the last year that that is the premise of the movie. Get this main character. He's in his normal world and then something shows up in his normal world that is trying to rock his world. And he's like, nah, 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 nah. I don't want anything to do with it. Right. So he's abdicating the responsibility, his responsibility. And then what happens? He's actually thrusted by some event into the underworld, right? The underworld changes him as a character. And then he comes out of the underworld into this new world as a new man right? Who now accepts the responsibility. He now accepts this thing that he was trying to push off from the beginning. But now because he went through that transformative process, he he owns it and he now engages with this new world in a new way. And if you remember 
any movies that are like that, go ahead and hit me up on Instagram at Ray De La Nuez. All those links are going to be down below and we can have a chat about them. I just can't remember them. I know like almost every Marvel movie is like that. And that's it's really because this is a huge thing for men. The abdication of responsibility is something we actually have to fight against. And what's funny is, you know, one of the the great uh, thinkers, philosophical thinkers of nowadays that are just blowing up, you know, Jordan Peterson really influences my thinking uh, and some of the content that you hear here on this podcast. He said, your life becomes meaningful in precise proportion to the depths of the responsibility that you are willing to shoulder. That is huge. Your life becomes meaningful in precise proportion to the depth of the responsibility that you are willing to shoulder. So what kind of life are you wanting to live? Because if you're wanting to live a meaningless life and you wanting, you're just wanting to abdicate because it is easy, then hey, all you have to do is just fall back to default. It doesn't take much. Just call, fall back to passivity and let it happen, man, because that thing will just tear through life and you'll just cruise. There's absolutely nothing that you need to do. You just need to let go of the wheel and it'll take you there. But because I know that you're listening to this podcast, because I know that you are a man after something, I know that you want to get this attribute inside of you. You want to become a man who takes responsibility for things in this life. You want to take ownership of the things around you. You want to be meaningful. You want to change. You want to have an impact, a positive impact in this, this in your sphere of influence. And really, I think that that desire comes from God. There's actually another biblical story of Nehemiah that explains this perfectly. Now, to get this, you got to understand like who Nehemiah is. And I do encourage you to go read the story. It's a short story and it's amazing. Nehemiah was this Jewish leader who lived in the fifth century. Uh, he was known for his role in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, which were destroyed by the Babylonians. And, you know, one of the key uh, takeaways from the story is that Nehemiah honestly just like hears about what's going on uh, in Jerusalem. And one of the first things that we read, I'm going to just read you a few verses from Nehemiah 1. Uh, Nehemiah 1.4 says, as soon as I heard these words, he heard the status update. I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before God of heaven. You have to understand that Nehemiah is a cupbearer before the king, King uh, Altaxerxes. So he's like, he's got it made. He's living in the palace with the Babylonians while everybody who's back in Jerusalem is like, absolutely uh, just devastated. There's nothing good going on over there. Everything's been destroyed by fire and nothing's been uh, rebuilt, but he hears this and he's moved, right? So pay attention guys to what moves you. Pay attention to the things that God puts in front of you, whether by somebody else or just, I mean, it's just a circumstance you happen to land in and it starts to move you. And notice how the, the words that he is hearing starts to move him to what? To weep and to mourn, and to fast, and to pray, okay? Now, if you feel uncomfortable with like weeping and mourning, just consider that as like, hey, you actually feel moved. Like there's something that makes makes you feel sad about this situation, and you feel like, I, I feel like I need to do something about this, right? And so here comes in that same quote, your life becomes meaningful in precise proportion to the depths of the responsibility that you're willing to shoulder. So are you willing to shoulder this, Nehemiah? Well, we know that he is because what we know about Nehemiah is he begins, he's like still praying to God. And man, one of the things that he says, guys, that we have to take away from this story is how he puts himself into the fault. 
instead of saying the people of Israel, you know, they're, they're just like this because everything's going on over there because they just messed up so bad. And, you know, our forefathers, our grandparents, right? Because this isn't Nehemiah's fault or his generation. Our grandparents really messed it up for us. No, he uses inclusive language. Like we have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands and decrees and laws that you have given your servant Moses. That's in Nehemiah 1.7. Now he's taking ownership of something that he wasn't even involved in directly. Again, going back to the military example, this is something that military leaders, good military leaders, let me caveat that, are expected to do. Nobody well, no good leader should ever walk up to a unit and say, hey, guys, uh, you know, y'all did not do a good job out there. You know, I got a report back from uh, hire and they said that this just was not good to go. Uh, you, you failed the mission. No, you stand up there and just as easy as you take praise, you take the freaking rebukes and you say, guys, we fell short. We were out there tr- just working our butts off. We were really trying, but we fell short. And this is my fault. Again, can't get away from that. So Nehemiah actually goes to the king and is like, hey man, would really love to get your support and to get some supplies to be able to take them back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. And guess what? God's favor was over him and the king grants him all of this and more. And so we know the story of Nehemiah as him being this man who rallied the people of Jerusalem to work together to complete the project. And I mean, this is despite all the obstacles and the oppositions. He was a proactive leader who took charge and made things happen. And in fact, Nehemiah's actions also demonstrate like the importance of this whole thing that we're talking about, uh, the uh, the importance of men taking responsibility of things in, in their lives and in your life. That means your community too. Like Nehemiah saw the plight of his people and the suffering that there was, that there was there in Jerusalem. He heard the reports and he took it upon himself to do something about it. He didn't just wait for somebody else to do it. He didn't wait for somebody else to take initiative. He didn't, you know, just kick the can down the road and let it be somebody else's problem. He took charge and led the rebuilding efforts himself by doing what? Getting boots on the ground. He was in the grounds himself. He worked to promote justice and fairness among the people. He was, I mean, he was out there just doing God's work because he knew that God had sent them there for a reason. This actually reminds me of a quote by Joyce Meyer, where she says, asking for something is easy, but being responsible for it is the part that develops character. Being responsible for something is what develops you as a man of character. And guys, again, I just love Jordan Peterson. There was this other quote where he had said, the purpose of life is finding the largest burden that you can bear and bearing it. So I want to ask you, what is that in your life right now? What is that burden in your life? If the largest burden in front of you right now is your marriage, then it is your duty. If you want to find the purpose in your life right now, if you're seeking for a purpose far and wide, I'm going to tell you, it's right there next to you. It's that woman that God put in your life and that you said yes to, and maybe things are a little rocky, but man, it is your pleasure to take on that burden and bear it, to actually seek and pursue reconnection and rehabilitating that relationship so that you would grow to be a couple after God's own heart. Because as for you and your household, you will serve the Lord. But that takes what? That takes you actually standing up and owning it, even when it's your wife's fault, 
even when it's something that she did. Oh, Ray, but that doesn't sound fair, brother. That's exactly why you are the man or, or maybe it's at work and you're frustrated because things aren't happening the way that they should be. You know, you have a vision of where it should be going, but you just can't get the team to get rallied behind it and, and really perform the way that you, if they just would do what you are telling them to do, everything would be fine. But maybe it's that you're not communicating clearly, or you're not communicating effectively, or you're not inspiring at all. And remember, I'm just talking about myself here, but if the shoe fits, then please do wear it. Uh, Grant Cardone had this awesome quote where he had said, never take the position that things just happen to you. Rather, they happen because something that you did or did not do. So check that. What are some things that you did or did not do to land you where you are right now? And guys, I'm going to give you just a few things really that's going to be able to show you, to highlight to you and to give you evidence that this attribute is actually strong inside of you. Like you will know that you have actually grown in this attribute of taking responsibility for things in your life when other people trust you. Other people trust that you will get things done. You're reliable and consistent and you keep your promises so people can consistently keep coming back to you and relying on you again and again and again. They look to you as a dependable man and they can count on you being there when you said you were going to be there. Even if the craziest of circumstances happened, you made every single effort to fulfill on that promise. That's the difference. But they'll understand, right? Because I just, I feel tired today. No. What was the promise? What's the kind of man that you want to be? Now, another effect or evidence of you taking responsibility for things in your life is that people and things in your life are actually looked after to the appropriate degree. Like the trash is taken out when it needs to be taken out. The room is cleaned when it needs to be cleaned. The garage, oh man, I'm talking about myself here, guys, I swear. The garage is kept clean the way it needs to be kept clean, okay? Your backyard reflects your inner state and hopefully that inner state of mind looks clear, uncluttered, straightforward. It's funny because a couple of years ago, I was helping this lady who unfortunately became a stereotypical hoarder. I mean, like full blown hoarder. And I did not catch myself until the second time that I did this. And I was extremely embarrassed because she saw me do it. But what I did was I wiped my feet when I came out of her house to walk outside into the lawn. That's how bad it was. So I walked into her house, got some stuff that I was moving and then came out of her house. But before I stepped outside, I needed to wipe my feet on the rug that's at her front door. And you've driven past some houses maybe that you're like, man, those people definitely don't take care of their place. And that's right. Like your belongings, the things that are in your sphere of influence, the things that you can affect, those things should be looked after. And it, that also involves, man, you're like your body. Okay, your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health. And those are not little things. Now, another evidence, another effect of you becoming a man who takes responsibility for things in your life is that you don't make excuses. And you certainly don't make excuses for somebody else, but you don't make excuses for yourself. You own it. You say, you know what? I will grow from that. Sometimes it will feel unfair. Sometimes you just need to clench your jaw and just bear it. And it's your fault. 
And you say, yeah, I'll have to grow and get better. I mean, I don't necessarily see how I am directly responsible for this just yet. Don't say this out loud, but I will grow from this and I will take responsibility for this because there is something that I could have done to make this happen or not happen. I know sounds unfair, but are you willing to bear it? And lastly, guys, you make things right even when you do wrong. I learned this when I lived in a camper for two years of my life. Me and my wife decided it was a good idea to go ahead and sell our four bedroom, beautiful house in Florida with a nice backyard that I went and fenced in myself. I had my dog, had enough space to run around. I lived next to this like retention pond area. So it was just this beautiful space, right? And then we decided to condense everything, sell half of our stuff and live in a 40 foot RV. It was only supposed to be for one year while we were doing some military uh, moving around, but it ended up being two years. And gosh, I grew as a man, as a parent, as a husband, because I knew how thin those walls were. So when my wife and I got into some kind of argument, right, and it was not pretty, guess who was on the other side of those little cardboard walls listening? And guess who was supposed to look at me the same as daddy, right? My two, my two little ones at the time. And then we had a third there. And so I became really, really good at making things right when I did wrong right away. And actually I started to measure how good I was doing in my relationship by how long I lasted between, you know, from cleaning up my mess. So if I made a mess, how long does it take me to clean that mess up? And the way that you can, you know, picture this is let's say you walk into a room and you had a paint can and you tripped and you made a mistake and paint got everywhere. Where did that paint fall that you need to do some cleaning up on? Okay look around on the floor, but also look around on some on the walls. You know, where else did it get splattered? And that's the same thing in this situation. When it was just between me and my wife, I had to be aware that there were other kids, other people around who were going to be affected by this. And so I had to be really good at cleaning those things up. And, and I actually was able to instill that in my kids. And I watched them do that for each other now. You know, they actually take ownership of their mistakes and it's beautiful to watch. Now, I'm extremely big on habits, so I would not want you guys to walk away without having any just small little habits or small little questions that you can ask yourself right now to really help you grow in this uh, in this arena, right? To become the man that is that takes responsibility for things in his life. But if I, for some reason, made you think that I can give you like a formula, then I failed you, right? Because that's not what this is about. But I can give you some things to start thinking about. And it's the micro habits that actually lead to the large, big uh, goals that you want to reach in life. So one of the things I want to tell you is ask yourself, what around you needs to be done that you know something about or that you can do something about? That's a simple question. And it honestly might disrupt some of your Saturday plans because on a Saturday when it feels nice to just kind of sit back, relax, crack a beer, hang out and do nothing, but you can actually ask yourself this question and answer it honestly, like before God, what around me needs to be done that I know something about and that I could do, you might actually find yourself uh, maybe motivated a little bit to get up and not just, you know, organize your house first, of course, right? Start with your room, start spreading and go out from there. That's the epicenter, but man, your community your friends, who needs help, who could use you as a, as a sitter, right? That, that weekend, who can use your help on a, on a project? How else can you impact somebody else's life? Another habit that I would encourage you to really get into is to become more self-aware. 
Men who take responsibility for their actions are really self-aware. They have a really good understanding of their weaknesses and their strengths. And they're able to identify their own biases and their own blind spots. And that's something I'm, again, just want to be vulnerable, guys. Like I'm driving to work the other day and I'm just telling God like, hey, Lord, I'm sorry that I allowed this in my life again. I actually fell to this. And it's because I'm blind in this area because when it comes to Ray figuring it out, Ray's default is like, go, 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 strive, 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 and completely leave God out of it. And I have to know that about myself. If I'm going to be able to navigate life in this body, right? I am in this body right now as a human in, in, in this fe- in this flesh, but now I have the spirit of Christ. I have the mind of Christ inside of me. And so when I don't have those two things uh, in the right order, I can start living out of my flesh, even though I am not of my flesh. Okay. All right. Romans five, six, seven, and eight guys. If you want to get caught up on that, just read that over and over and over again. I mean, the word says it's not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. But man, sometimes I do a really bad job at actually doing that and applying that and actually living that out because I get in my own way. So I encourage you ask those questions like, God, where, where are my strengths? That's encouraging, but also where are my weaknesses and where are my own biases? Where are my blind spots? Where is it that I'm just like not representing the heart of Christ and I can actually stumble and fall and not even realize that I have fallen far away from your covering. And lastly, guys, I'll say this proactivity has to be one of your, the earmarks of your life, right? Men who take responsibility for their actions tend to be proactive rather than reactive. They're initiative. They take initiative all of the time and they're always looking for ways to improve themselves and their circumstances. And it's something as simple as the two minute rule. I know you want to know what the two minute rule is. The two minute rule says that if there's something that you can do, something around you that will take two minutes or less, you don't schedule it. You do it right then and there. So if you walk into the kitchen right after this podcast and the garbage needs to get taken out, you don't go past that garbage and say, "Ah, I got to take that out later. No, you do that right then and there. And what's that going to do for you? Well, over time, you're actually going to be developing that muscle of proactivity. You're going to be developing that muscle of actually taking responsibility for things in your life. Right. And then you go into the garage. You're like, well, I actually should be putting that tool back where it goes, not just throwing it anywhere where there is a flat surface. Right. Guys, I swear I'm just lighting myself up here. Okay. I'm just being honest. I grew up in a small apartment in New Jersey, so I never had the liberty of having a full house and a garage. And so me learning to have my own space is like, that's actually like a learning process. Um, I'm getting better at it. I promise. Babe, I love you. Thank you for all your graciousness. (laughs) Guys, I just am so thankful that you've stuck around this entire time, listened to this podcast and have been part of this community. And honestly, it means a lot to know that there are men from around the world. And I know there are because I I talk to you guys uh, either through Instagram or even just through our coaching calls, right? There's just men who are interested in hearing truth and you're just willing to get on here and let this transform you. Let this vibe inside of you and see what God does with it. So again, thank you so much for being part of this uh, community and joining me on this episode. This is a really special episode for me. Getting to 100 episodes as a podcaster is not easy, especially when you do this on your own. You don't have a team, but you still just want to do what you can with what God has given you. And God, uh, uh, fortunately, has given me a microphone, a computer, and this space where I'm able to record this and hopefully bless you with it. 
Now, guys, if you have been blessed by this ministry at all, I would ask you to go ahead and consider becoming a financial partner of this ministry. We are in the process of actually becoming a 501c3 organization, and all that you provide for us, all the financial support that you provide for us goes to helping men around the world in some of the coaching that I provide for free, and also some of the content that you'll see on here in this podcast and further podcasts and previous podcasts and other content that we release out onto social media videos and really wanting to grow into YouTube uh, and other platforms as well. Again, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, continue to march.